saving the world starts with you. And you don't have to be a superhero to get it done. All you need to do is be more sustainable and make your habits more environmentally friendly. Sustainable U is here today to show you how. Sustainable U is underwritten in part by Terhune Orchards, 330 Cold Soil Road, Lawrence, 200 acres of locally grown Jersey fresh fruits and vegetables with country style service. Rye University, Office of Sustainable Management and Bronx Go Green, Team Toyota of Princeton, Route 1 South Lawrence. Are you part of the team? Lawn Crafters, give your lawn a little TLC. And the Trenton Farmer's Market, 960 Spruce Street, Lawrence. The area's original and most trusted farmer's market, open all year round. Now let's learn how to thank Mother Nature for her nurture with today's segment of Sustainable You. 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com, live from Clarny's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. I'm one of your hosts, Dean Riddle, and I'm joined by... Julissa Malvern. So, to kick things off for this week on Sustainable You, we're going to talk about something that I know we've talked about in the past, plastic straws. We all know how bad plastic straws are for the environment. I do literally everything I can to avoid getting plastic straws. I will say, though... Sometimes you get it at a restaurant and yeah, it's do. like it's at that point where they give it to you and you can't really say, no, I don't want this. I don't want this plastic straw. And then you're kind of forced to use it. I feel really bad using it. But the good thing is, is that uh, California actually was the first state to put a ban on the use of or not a ban, a limit on the use of plastic straws by having people required to ask to use a plastic straw instead of just the the waiter always giving it out like it, it's per request now which is really good um i think other states are starting to follow suit with that but overall the movement of it is kind of slower than i would have wanted but there is some hope yeah. uh there actually there are seven different bills being submitted to senate right now about trying to ban or limit the use of plastic straws in certain states and at that point, hopefully, it'll even become federal. It'll get to the point where it becomes a federal ban or a federal limit. And while I think that it's something that is we can hope for right now, but I, I just don't know. It's something that I really want to happen um, because, obviously, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the video of the turtle with the, with the plastic uh, straw in its mouth or in its nose and that's what gets me every time about straws whenever i use a straw i think about that video and <laughs> i feel really bad about myself every time i use a straw i don't try to like literally today i went to subway to get a drink and i didn't even put a lid on my cup i literally just got the cup and no lid no straw and I feel like it should be the same way with restaurants too because you don't need the straw to drink it mm -hmm. whenever i go to a restaurant Ironically, I, I get a straw anyway, but I don't even use a straw. I usually just I sip it right out of the cup anyway because it's simply just easier. It's easier, honestly. And I agree with you, Dean, because um, even when you're at home, you're drinking from usually a glass and not a straw. I know some people do really like um, their straws. And I used to be kind of like that back um, when I was a kid. I used to like to drink with straws a lot and... Um, I kind of like got out of that habit because I thought it was kind of like just the waste of um, time it was a waste of like money and kind of like plastic straws. It's just a, you're wasting a whole bunch of straws and it's not good for the environment exactly. either. 
And um, if you have to get a straw, um, like I remember Dean talked in previous segments about the metal straw, and that's mm, that, that's yep. a, that's that's a good that's a good idea. And if you use a plastic straw, I know there's certain type of plastic plastic reusable straws, um, where you're not just keep you don't have to keep throwing them out all the time, and um, that's a good way to kind of um be more um environmentally friendly. Paper straws too. They sell them in uh, like Target, Walmart. You, they pretty much sell them any major supermarket. And paper straws are actually great because on them there's a lot of cool or really cute designs, and it's really cool because it spices up the way you drink. And also something that I know that they used to make. I don't know if they make it anymore, but something I know they used to make. They used to make cereal straws. Um, that was something kind of. Gosh, I want to say 10 years ago. I, yeah. I want to say 10 years ago is the last time I actually remember seeing them, like, in store. Um, I'm pretty those. sure... Wait, what was that? I remember those vaguely. I think they made... They definitely made a Fruit Loops one. Um, wow. They might have made an Apple Jacks one also. There's I don't... an Oreo one. There's an Oreo one? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're just... It's a great option. It's a great option that uh, that we could use. And I don't even know if they sell in stores anymore. That's the thing. Um, I know that on Amazon, though, Amazon sells a bunch of stuff that you can't really find in stores anymore. Um, wow. Shout out to uh, <laughs> Dunkaroos. I, I, I think they Dunkaroos. still sell Dunkaroos. Yeah, I remember those. Those are, those are my childhood right there. Childhood in a little plastic packet. Dunkaroos, uh, yeah. Ironic, I'm talking about <laughs> plastic. Um, but those are simpler times. Those are simpler times. Um, yeah. And I know they there's so the, the point is there's so many alternatives for straws uh and you don't even need a straw. That that's my point. Um granted I understand if if someone were to have a medical condition where a straw would be the most appropriate thing they use to drink out of, that's obviously an exception. And that's why these restaurants are doing per request instead of just handing it out because if people want the straw, they can use a straw, but you, as I was talking about earlier, when you kind of get that straw, it's kind of at that point where they, they can't really take it back because they're going to say it's, it's contaminated. And for obvious health reasons, they're not going to take it back because if it lands in a drop of water or something, that gets in the straw then, and then they have to throw it away. So mm -hmm. I totally get why they don't take it back. I wish they could. Um, I also just wish they didn't just give it right to me. I Although I did go to one place. I went to one place actually near Ryder, uh, PJ's Pancake House, who's actually one of uh, the Bronx sponsors. Uh, they actually made sure to ask if I wanted a straw, and I was really impressed by that because that was the only place I've been to, at least in New Jersey, where they've actually asked me if I wanted a straw or not. And it'd be great if just other places like that would kind of do that because... I, I, I guarantee you I'm not the only one that doesn't use a straw either. Like, I'm sure there are people that, you know, oftentimes you see them, they just, they take a big, they take a big uh, pile of straws and they kind of just put it on the table. Most of them don't even count exactly how many straws you have or how many people you have, I should say. And they just give you a whole bunch to put on the table and yeah. they just throw all that stuff away. They don't take it back. They don't. And, um, Dean, I just feel like a lot of people are um, trying to fight these ants these anti-plastic laws plastic straw laws because a lot of people are so accustomed to drinking out of plastic straws that they don't know on anything else how on anything other no other alternatives but would they, when you give them an alternative they probably think oh that won't work because they're just so used to the um, plastic straws that um, we've had for a long time and um, even um, this is a little off topic even on um, plastic bottles like um, yeah. the plastic um, bottles in the um, of this of soda 
and um different juices they re- they used to have like glass bottles a lot but i mean that was better for the environment but it's um it's with plastic like once the 60s came they um want to make it more simpler because it was more cheaper like, exactly manufacture so they just said um like we're just going to manufacture plastic but they didn't know how detrimental that was to the environment and um plastic like that that takes so many many years to biodegrade and that that that's a problem yeah, exactly. It, it takes about, I think, uh, a thousand years for plastic to actually biodegrade. And mm, that's, that's a really horrible. long time because horrible. that stays in the ground and oftentimes it's going to leach into the ground too. So while it's breaking down and biodegrading, all of the microparticulates get in the soil and that's really bad for the soil, which means it's obviously really bad for the plants too. And getting back to the whole thing about people just being used to using plastic straws, I totally agree with that. I, I think people don't want to change ways from plastic to something like metal or, mm-hmm. or paper straw. But I think also largely what it is, I think a lot of it comes down to these big plastic industries too. I think these big plastic industries are putting a bunch of money into this against the against the bills. And that's I think why, so too. what? I think so too. I think that's why it's such, uh, that, that, that's why it's so difficult right now because these companies are funneling a bunch of money into this you know, being against these bills, obviously, because they want to keep producing their product. They want to keep selling their product to a bunch of different restaurants, different stores, too, and they don't like it. So they're putting a bunch of money into it and probably paper industries, too, because think about it. Almost every straw you see is wrapped in individually piece of paper. So you have two major industries coming together that are going against these bills, and it's like it's like two, it's like, well, really it's three, but it's two sides just majorly clashing. And I'm pretty sure there's been something going on about this for a while now, about the about some bills at least. I didn't know there were seven, but there's been something going on with bills being made about uh, pushing against the use of plastic straws for quite some time now. But it's it's been so slow because you have all these different industries coming together and they've been... Kind of, they're making, they've been making it really difficult uh, for people to make any progress with this. This has been going on for years now, and obviously California is the first state to do it, and there's some progress there. But if you look in basically any other state, there's really nothing done. I mean, California is kind of the That's prime example that we look at because California, they have a bag tax. Um, they have now the per request rule for straws. I know New York also has a plastic bottle deposit, which is good, too. I think more states are starting to do that, which I really like. Um, and that's definitely something else that, you know, could be talked about in the future. But uh, straws, in my opinion, are one of – they're one of the most pointless things. I, I I really do think straws are one of the most pointless things. I've I think never, so, too. Personally, I've never come to a point where I'm like, I need a straw. I yeah. never say I need a straw. It's just – if it's there, I use it. I feel bad about it. But like I said, they're not going to take it back. So at that point, you may as well use it. And that's one of the issues. It's being given out and it's just wasted. It's just ultimately wasted. I feel like if they're going to give it out at least, they need to count how many people are at the table and at least just give out a corresponding amount. I couldn't tell you how many times I've been somewhere where they just give me like four extras that I'm not even going to use. Yeah, and um, same um, same thing. I think that really straws they're not necessities, but really they're kind of like maybe 
not luxury but kind of of that sort like it's not a luxury item but it's kind of like not not a, a necessity that you need it's kind of like a privileged kind of item like that you just drink because like you kind of have have something on on the side to sip out of it's not really necessary because i mean if um like even in america like i just feel like it's just um it's mass produced like it's because like i feel like we sometimes take for granted um what we have and i think like just having a straw um kind of um like um kind of validates that kind of and it's not it's not i agree it's it's, it's kind of something like since we take advantage of everything here in america um we kind of um kind of destroy our um resources because we just think that it's okay to just throw away that like it doesn't matter it's like kind of entitlement type i agree a lot of it comes to mentality too a lot of people just don't understand that it's going to go somewhere um yeah and you know straws aren't really something that's recycled they could be that's the thing straws could be recycled um but it's just something that never is. So I don't know. It's really, I'd be really interested to find out how these seven bills conclude though. I mean, I don't think all of them are going to go through obviously, but hopefully even if just one goes through, I'd love to see the effect it has on either a certain state or even at a federal level. But unfortunately we're out of time on this segment of sustainable you, but we'll be right back on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Whoever said it's not easy being green? Now let's get back to learning how and reduce, reuse, and recycle with Sustainable U. 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com live at Corny's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable U. I'm one of your hosts, Jaleesa Malvern. I'm joined by Dean Riddle. So in the second topic of our segment, we'll be talking about British mackerel um, stripped of MSC sustainable status due to overfishing. And basically mackerel has been rising in popularity since 2011. And um, they said it's, it's been overfished and they said that um, it's been stripped of its um, M- MSC um, like um, um, privilege, I think, or like overfishing like status. And it said that really, um, it, it stands for the MSC is the Marine Steward Stewardship Council uh, approval, and it helps inform consumers about sustainability of various various species of fish and seafood. And um, mackerel is like a common um, food that's eaten, like in Europe and like Britain. So I think it's been overfished and. Um, and some of it's um, it's declining because of this reason. Well, I think one of the main driving forces as to why mackerel is now becoming more popular instead of other fish is because cod. Cod is one of the most, it, at least was, it was one of the most common fish that you could find in the Atlantic and the Pacific because it liked colder climates, so you'd find it in the Atlantic, which tends to be colder up top and then same with the pacific it's colder up there so you'd find a lot of cod there and it was such a common fish and fishers would take those cod because it was so common and that would be the main fish that would be consumed in a lot of fast food chains like mcdonald's uh i don't know maybe other like long john silvers it's another one i haven't heard the name in a while by the way i can't believe i remembered that me neither um but those were those like the main fish that are used and the reason why a lot of companies are now switching to mackerel is because one of the most common fish found in the ocean is now at a point where 
it's basically it's a threatened species because of how overfished it is and that's really sad that's really sad that it's gotten to the point where we turn one of the most common uh and most abundant fish species in the ocean and basically turn it to a point where it's a threatened species now it's just it, it's sad and, and we're on the same path now with mackerel too because you just said it yourself the mackerel has been stripped of its of its M msc uh rating where it was thought to be you know uh high stock uh sustainable and now it's not and that just shows that it's that much of a problem now because it's the same exact issue here and then it makes you think what's next tuna is already a fish that I think it's just recovering from being overfished. It's recovering right now. Um, yeah. Salmon, uh, well, uh, salmon, salmon's always kind of been an issue because the is thing it overfished? is, salmon. It yes, it is. And the reason I say salmon's an issue is because now there's a lot of farm-raised salmon, and I'm not sure if you've ever eaten farm-raised salmon compared to wild salmon, but I have, and I can tell you that. There's a big difference in just the taste of it. And even if, if that means if the taste itself tastes different, then you know that the health of, of the health of the fish itself is going to be different too because the taste basically directly correlates with the health of it. So if it tastes really chemically or it has a really weird texture, it's probably not healthy. And that's just how pretty much all farm-raised fish are. I mean, it brings me to good old tilapia. Ugh. One of the main tilapia. that's what that, tilapia, yeah. That's I refuse to eat tilapia now to this day because you can't even find tilapia in the wild ocean anymore. Literally, you can't find it in the ocean. It's only farm raised. It mm. it's like it's like an alien almost because <laughs> I say that because tilapia has no bones in it. Tilapia doesn't have bones. I'm pretty sure it's yeah, been, it doesn't have any bones because uh, what it is what they the reason the reason why it doesn't even have bones anymore i think is because it's just cartilage now and mm. um that happened because they they interbreed there's so much interbreeding that happens because they're all in a confined space so there's a lot of interbreeding and mm. I, that's not good for the gene pool at all so that's made some really nasty uh mutations for these fish and the same thing could happen with mackerel or cod if it gets to that level too and cod's kind of already getting to that level so it makes you think about what's going to happen if the same exact scenario happens with this as it did with tilapia and who knows next uh, you know it's just it's a big treadmill and it's one of those things that i feel like nobody really thinks about because not even everyone's into fish it you know everyone talks about everyone talks about cows pigs i get that because it's more relatable people don't understand how crucial our marine uh, ecosystem is to keeping our ecosystem in balance too because there are things that eat these fish that we eat also and if we run out of those fish then we run out of bigger fish i'm saying it in definitely layman's terms but it's like if one thing's gone in the chain then the whole chain breaks basically and mm -hmm. that means probably there's going to be there's going to be a huge imbalance in that ecosystem say shrimp or krill for example i don't know exactly what mackerel eat i don't know but for example say those are what they eat there's going to be a huge overabundance of them and then that's going to have negative effects to the water itself mm -hmm. so like i said it's really it's it's a treadmill and, and it's an issue because 
if just one thing goes out of balance, then basically everything else goes out of balance, and it's very hard to correct that. And mm. it's something that is definitely a scary thought because we can't really do anything directly to fix that problem. It's just the only thing we can really do is stop overfishing. That's that's um right, Dean. We could only um just stop overfishing, but um they said that climate climate change um and also warm waters um that's also contributed to like um to also the mackerel um being at this level of decline and i feel like overfishing is is very common just because we we're um it's on high demand like a lot of um the fish we eat um tilapia salmon mackerel cod all these fish and pretty soon like you would you probably ever a lot of fish that we eat other um fish flounder that'll even be on that line of of um, being overfished didn't even think about flounder and um flounder flounder that i know that's a commonly eat 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 um yeah it's, fish. it's definitely becoming more common and um, um whiting too that probably might even um become overfished when you think a bit about it um tuna that might um, become again overfished and um, go back um, to uh, the line that it was, and just def- definitely like a lot of our um, fish that we um, get in in our um, our um, supermarket, some of it's not even from our coasts, like the um, coast um, um, surrounding the United States, just from other countries and. There was um, a a controversy a couple of years ago, about four years ago, five years ago, about um, that some of our fish were coming from, um, I think, Malaysia, and the treatment of um, people was um, brutal and like horrendous. It was just awful yeah. the way they were treated. Like they were um, actually um, by um, these merchants, they were um, really um, treating them viciously and that's some that's where i think a fourth of our um seafood was coming from and and that's a shame i think i think i remember we talked about that a quite a while ago we we talked about that a really long time ago but um i you know i me personally the the concept of getting fish itself from another country it's not that big. I don't think it's that big of an issue. I mean, if you look at it, yes, it's using fuel for ships, and obviously, it's a big chain. Everything is connected, so there's going to be more greenhouse gases put in the atmosphere. But if you're looking at it from an economic standpoint, which I like to look at sometimes because it's a very valid standpoint, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. The problem, though, is when you have fish that are natively found in a different climate, you know, their native climate, and 20 years ago we got it from there. And then all of a sudden you see that it migrates to a totally different climate and it could be over a thousand miles away. Well, Mm -hmm. it shows what happened. What is like, it makes you think like what, what exactly happened? Why, why is this an issue? Why is it that fish that were once here on the coast of Maine are all the way in, in England now, or or even on the coast of Spain or something like, or the coast of Portugal. Like it makes you wonder what's going on. And I think it's a bigger issue because it really makes people uh it, it, the problem is obviously it's climate change climate change is definitely a big driving horse uh driving force behind that and it really shows i i feel like people really need to look at 
where the fish they get, I think they need to see where it's sourced from and do a little bit of research on that because if I, I would not want to get a fish that was originally found really close to me and then all of a sudden you just can't find it anywhere in the supermarket, not from here. I, I don't want fish that was around here once and then it's all the way from Malaysia or all the way from, uh, you know, just any other water not native. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If it's not from a native water, I'm not going to want it because I'm going to tell myself, well, there's obviously an issue. So why would I want something that, you know, there's an issue going toward it, going through it? I don't, I don't want that. You don't know the reg- regulations on the fish. And it's, um, it's, I feel like some of our water's been so overfished that we have to rely on other countries for our fish now. Exactly. And that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a problem. That That's a shame. Mm-hmm. Because... Think of it this way. It's more expensive for us, too. And as I said before, there's more shipping involved also. So then you have the greenhouse gases going to the atmosphere. And it's just it's harder, too, because you have to send out fleets of ships to do all the shipping. And it's going to cost a lot of money. So there's a lot of issues with overfishing. And something needs to be done really quickly because this is a really dangerous treadmill, a really dangerous slope. And it could definitely get, like, worse in the future. So I really hope something's done about it. But unfortunately, we are out of time on this segment of Sustainable U. We'll be right back after a few short underwriting announcements only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Whoever said it's not easy being green? Now let's get back to learning how and reduce, reuse, and recycle with Sustainable U. 1077 The Bronx and 1077 The live at Corny's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. I'm one of your host, Julissa Malvern, and I'm joined by Dean Riddle. So, for our third segment, we'll be talking about green construction. Um, is it the answer to um, sustainable houses? And um, the, there was like um, some alternatives to green for green construction, some of the insulation. Um, um, options are um, sheep wool, flax, hemp, cellulose, and wood fiber. Mm-hmm. And um, they said um, in this article, um, choose to power your home by using renewable sources. And they said that um, if you're doing a new build, you might want to integrate alternative sources of energy and cut back um, on the electricity um, from the grid. And they said um, what could be helpful um, is to lower power plant um lit power plant in um air in fossil fuels and go to um in a um non-renewable um resource that produces greenhouse gases to limit those uses they said you could um um look to um solar tiles or solar panels and i know dean kind of has guessed uh, it. yeah i, I it, have... it's kind of not the best but i mean because they don't, um, they're not good because they don't biodegrade well. Yeah. It, but, uh, I mean. I could do a whole segment about solar panels. I, I really could. But I won't because this yeah. pan, this isn't about solar panels. This is about sustainable buildings. And to answer the question, yes. I think building buildings sustainably is crucial to the future of being environmentally friendly and to being green. Because... Think about how many buildings are built each year. You have yeah. millions of buildings just across the U.S. alone that are built each year. If you think about it from a worldwide perspective, you have probably hundreds of millions of buildings being ever, being built every year, especially in 
like uh, a lot of countries that are like currently developing, like a lot of them still developing. They're building a lot of buildings. They're developing really rapidly. So if they if they had access to uh, like sustainable materials, then that would cut. That would be huge. That'd be a huge impact on being environmentally friendly. Um, for example, I know even here at Ryder, we have a couple buildings that are LEED certified, gold and silver. Um, I'm pretty sure the hall, the one that was just renamed, Lynch Adler Hall, which is the newest academic building on campus, it was it's LEED certified gold, which is the best rating you can get from LEED. And basically what LEED means is, it means that it was certified by LEED, a company itself, and they determine uh, all the uh, aspects of a building to see how sustainably it was built, uh, water usage, energy usage, how it gets its energy, all that stuff. One thing that I think is really cool about that building specifically is that it's not really used too much anymore, but there is actually a green rooftop to it. Um, it's not really on the roof, actually. It's on the second floor, but there's a little thing outside where there used to be a bunch of plants and flowers there, and... It's really cool because that's a great way to absorb water. And I, Jaleesa, I feel like a really long time ago we talked. We talked about some idea where if the if the energy, I think it was something I just came up with like out of nowhere. But if the energy could be harvested from these uh, from the plants, if there was excess sun, like in combination with solar, like if there was some super complex thing where the energy could be harvested from it, mm -hmm. that'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be totally awesome, and that'd be a really big incentive because if that could happen, that'd be better than solar panels because, one, uh, I mean, obviously, the, the main issue with solar panels is disposing of them because they only have lifespan about 10 to 15 years. But, two, these rooftops, they absorb a lot of water, too, and it's all be, it's going somewhere, too. It's not going straight into evaporation. It's actually going to the plants. So even though that absorbed water adds a little bit of weight to the building at first— it's going to go somewhere pretty quickly, so it's not going to add a whole lot of weight to the building. Yeah, and I agree with you, um, Dean, because also when you think about it, um, I remember talking about um, Argentina a couple of months. Um, there was the sustainable school. We talked about it um, probably last year around June. You remember it, Dean? Yes, I do remember and, talking and they, about that. They built built all all like the whole school is out of sustainable products bottle caps and stuff like that and um i forget exactly what was made out of what but they use bottle caps and um plastic bottles as um and they they use um all these um sustainable um, materials that they recycled to build a school and you would never thought that a school could run with all these sustainable materials and it, it, it's pretty cool yeah, I think it's insane that they took all those materials kind of like kind of just like thought to be like garbage materials. Basically. Yeah, they were just thought to be just garbage. Exactly. And, and they took those materials and they made a whole building off out of it, both the structure of it. And I think even the energy. No, I'm wrong. There was no uh, power. I'm pretty sure there was actually no power in that building, which makes it even more interesting because they had to adapt to that because everything they used either had to be battery powered or they just had to use straight up books, which honestly learning from books personally, I learn better from books than I do from anything on a PowerPoint or anything. I mm -hmm. observe the information way better. And I think there's a lot of studies that have been performed that prove that, that learning from books is way better than PowerPoints or any other form of technology. So I think it's actually a huge blessing in disguise that there's no power in the building. Um, I agree. 
obviously maybe there's a little bit of issues with like uh uh like security or whatever but i mean regardless i i think the fact that they made a building basically out of all like reused materials is awesome and something like that could be done even in modern buildings we make today i know one of the big things about jeans is that you can use those jeans. You can use the denim in it. Denim is actually a pretty good insulator of heat. I don't know about wow. you, but when I wear jeans, it doesn't even matter how cold it is really, my legs feel way warmer. My, yeah, they it, do. They really do. It's one of the best insulators, at least for pants, that you can get, and that could totally be used as an insulator in houses. And that's funny how you're saying that, Dean, because it said on, on the website that sheep's wool is a good um, isolator. And I believe um, um, wool, wool, like clothing, is made out of sheep's wool. Yeah, well, and, some um, of it. Some of it. And um, the, the real made um, sheep wool clothing, that's um, that and the um, denim is, um, um, is um, good for insulation, which is kind of cool. And when you think about it, um, you're not using all those um, those like um, materials that don't biodegrade, and these are um, raw, organic, um, renewable materials. Or just straight up reused materials, like the jeans. Um, I actually did an experiment with it in elementary school. I did an experiment in middle in elementary school. So I've been thinking about this for a really long time. I've been thinking about this way back. Um, I compared. It was like three different things. I compared how well uh, a lunchbox could retain uh, cold, actually, because I put an ice cube in there, uh, jeans, and there's one other thing. And I tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, the jeans retained the cold the best out of anything. And you would think wow. the lunchbox would. You would think the lunchbox would. But no, the jeans actually did the best job in retaining the, the cold. So if you can retain the cold that well, then it could definitely keep in heat really well too because I feel way warmer when I put jeans on than if I put on like a pair of sweatpants or something. So I think that's really a really good option. Um, something that's always been on my mind at least for the past like month or so is bamboo. I would love to see bamboo being used a lot more in building. Obviously it's not strong enough to be used as the primary architecture, uh, the framework of buildings because bamboo is it's not very dense. There's actually a lot of air in it, and it's actually hollow if you've ever seen bamboo before. But mm -hmm. um, bamboo could definitely be used for like uh, house siding or roofing or something like that because it's it grows really quickly, and you can get it really cheaply too. If you can't find it, you can definitely get it really cheaply because of how fast it grows. I've seen people, some of my neighbors, not my neighbors, but people that live about a street down from me back in Tom's River, they they started off with one little thing of bamboo and in about a year it was 10 times the size that it originally was bamboo is an invasive species which isn't good um invasive species are not good but i'm going to say in this scenario if you want to get building materials very quickly this will be the one exception in which having an invasive species is actually good because we can use that material yeah. for anything i mean i i really feel like bamboo is the future i think so too. um it's just it's just better it, it, it's not as strong as like conventional like oak or whatever but other than that bamboo could be used for so much including like bamboo toothbrush I agree. something like that i agree with you dean about that and um this this is a little bit off topic but um solar cookers 
Solar cookers. Um, I, I don't know if you've, um, you probably heard of it, like where you put your food out in the sun and cook it. Oh yeah. That, yeah. That's, a, that's also a good idea too. Like if you didn't want to use um, your electricity. Well, imagine if, if houses had a little, a little sheet of metal just hanging yeah. off the side of it. And then just in the summer, just, just crack an egg open on it and then, <laughs> and then, and then cook an egg. There you go. Cook an egg. You don't, you just have to clean it, just brush it. And then you don't have to dirty a pan or anything. Yeah. So super environmentally friendly, <laughs> small, silly little ideas. But I mean, yes, I, I think building, cool. I think building buildings environmentally friendly is absolutely the future to being green. I think it's going to be the biggest thing that you could possibly do. Um, when it either when it comes to building materials or energy acquisition it I I I don't know I just I think it's very important and so like I love seeing the progress already being made I'm really looking forward to the future of the progress but unfortunately we're out of time in this segment of sustainable you but we'll be back only on 1077 the Bronx and 1077 the Bronx.com whoever said it's not easy being green now let's get back to learning how and reduce reuse and recycle with sustainable you 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com, live from Kalarnia's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. I'm one of your hosts, Dean Riddle, and I'm joined by... Julissa Malvern. And I have a very special announcement. I'm sure, as some of you heard in our first segment, we had an unfamiliar voice. That would be our new co-host... Victoria Harpersad. So, Victoria, you know, how do you feel about being on Sustainable You? I am very happy. I'm excited to educate the writer community and the community beyond that about being sustainable and teaching them about things that they may not know. That's awesome. What kind of got you actually into sustainability? So I took AP Environmental Science last year, and I just didn't want to take AP Bio because that's too hard. <laughs> I took and both. <laughs> you took both? I took both. Wow. Wow. But yeah, I took it and I just, the information that was being poured into my head was, you know, it was amazing. And getting to know about the earth and the problems that we're having that I didn't even know about, you know, the fact that I didn't know about it just tells me, like, a lot of people probably don't know that a lot of things are in danger of, you know, disrupting our future. So I'm excited to get it, get the information out so that there won't be as much confusion in the future for other people. Exactly. I think that's a really big thing. I think being able to educate people about how to be sustainable and educating people about how important our environment really is, not even just locally, but across the world too, I think it's crucial because it's never just a one-off thing. If something bad happens, it's eventually going to affect the rest of the world. And what kind of kept you, what makes you still interested in sustainability today or what things you do across campus to stay involved so across campus we have things like the TerraCycle baskets that are in the bathrooms which i try to fill up well i try not to use disposable things in the first place but if i have to then i put them in there um we also have those new trash cans around campus uh that i super nice yeah what is it 1905 milk jugs made those yeah something like that Yeah. yeah That's something. And also, these new um, Recycle Mania events that we've been having have been giving out metal straws. And, you know, we just talked about the plastic straw epidemic. So going to things like that can give us the metal straws that we need to prevent us from having to use plastic straws. Exactly. And as an eco-rep as well, uh, we actually, at certain events that we have, we like to give away metal straws. So 
That'd be a uh, shameless plug. Can do shameless plug. Uh, come on out to some of our events in the future. I know we have a, a green film coming up next week. I'll be there Wednesday. So, um, yeah, come on out to that. And we're going to be doing other stuff, too. And definitely look out for our metal straws because they are really nice. Um, so I guess since we kind of started talking to Victoria about what keeps her interested in sustainability and how she got into it, I think it'd be only appropriate if me and Jaleesa talked a little bit about it, too. Um yeah, so a little bit of reintroduction to myself. I'm Dean Riddle. Um, I've been with Sustainable U for over a year and a half now. I can't believe it's already been over a year and a half. Um, wow. And I feel really lucky to still be here today because I love doing what I'm doing. Um, I have a really great time doing it. And I love just being able to talk on air to just a whole bunch of different people, just a whole myriad of people about things going on in the world and not only like informing them about certain things going on and how to be sustainable, but it's also such a privilege being able to give my opinion and people listening to my opinion about certain things also. It just, it kind of, it makes me feel really lucky that I'm able to do that. Um, and getting back to how I got into sustainability. Um, so I was uh, crazy enough to take uh, AP Bio and AP Environmental in high school. Um, I took AP Environmental my junior year and AP Bio my senior year. And I knew that for selecting my major in college, it was either between environmental science or bio. And after going through AP Bio, um, I literally hated myself. Um, I did terrible. I, I, I actually passed to the B plus, so I didn't do terrible, but I felt like I was doing terrible. But somehow I still got four in the AP exam. So I don't really know how that works. Um, I, I just really consider it to be a lot of luck. I think I got really lucky with my guessing, to be quite honest with you. But I did really well on that, so I could have easily chosen between either or. But just my teacher that I had for AP Environmental, just something about him. Just he he drew me into it so much, and he really made me feel like everything was connected on the Earth. And mainly talking about weather patterns. Weather patterns was what really got me interested, because talking about El Nino and all that. And more recently, actually, with my current teacher uh, in weather and climate change, uh, Dr. Druckenbrod, uh, we talked about uh, the polar vortex. Like, the first week of the semester, we talked about the polar vortex and how it was happening. And I love just learning more and more about what goes on with the weather in our world. And obviously, the environment has to do with a lot more than just the weather, but the weather has a lot to do with it. Uh, with all the hurricanes that have been happening recently, it's definitely something to look out for, and it's so interesting being able to learn more about our weather patterns and how it's influenced by things such as climate change. I, I just, I love looking into that. And then also, sustainability, obviously, I mean, here I am, um, but yeah, it's just, I, I feel like being able to preserve our world for the future is something I really care about, because... Um, I want future generations, including if some t at some point down the line, if, if I have kids or something, I want them to be able to enjoy yeah. the same world that we were able to enjoy. I think it's really important to me. I value those kinds of things. Me too. Okay, so I think I've gone on enough of a spiel uh, for myself. Um, Jaleesa, what, uh, reintroduce yourself a little bit to the audience. My name's Jaleesa Malvern. Um, I'm a I'm journalism major and a minor in digital media, film, TV, and radio. 
and um i like um what i do i i had um originally wanted to be in high school a musician but i kind of um changed routes to being um um, a journalist that's what i want to do because i've always had a passion for writing and just like knowing about the world and um different events and places and people and that's kind of what inspired me to be a journalist and I really um, appreciate sustainability, um, even though it's not my major. Um, that's um, what I kind of wanted to do when I was younger. I kind of wanted to be um, a scientist maybe, but um, I noticed I wasn't as strong <laughs> in science. So um, like but, um, chemistry or any of that physics, so I didn't pursue it. And um, I kind of really um, had, had a like, kind of like, kind of like a, kind of like a, a like a, a proclivity to um, writing so that's what I did but I do appreciate sustainability like um like I said and that's I do practice sustainable habits like I, re- I recycle recycle I try to do um my best with that and just try to um conserve on what I do um just the lights, um, turn off the lights when I'm not using them, and just basic things. Exactly. I think it's a beauty of sustainability is that you don't need to be a major, uh, a major environmental science or a sustainability minor or anything like that to practice being sustainable. I think that's what makes it one of the best things is that everyone can do it. You, literally everyone can do it. You don't need to be certified to be sustainable or green. It's just everyone does their own thing as long as everyone does their own thing to be environmentally friendly then in my opinion they're doing enough as long as they keep doing that you know exactly like you said turning off the lights or unplugging your charger when it's done all these small things make a really big impact so as long as everyone can get something out of that and i really hope as long as everyone gets something out of this show too and uh everyone is able to learn at least one thing new out of every episode we do then that's enough for me and i'm really happy that if you guys learned something out of the show and again i feel really privileged to be part of this every single week and i'm very thankful to have you on victoria thank you i'm thankful to be here me too i'm, I'm glad to have you on victoria well that was uh i you know i gotta say that was a really good way to close out the show we haven't done one of these uh reintroductions or introductions since probably uh Eric and John Wade uh, kind of passed the torch to us. So yeah. it's been a really long time, uh, but it was really great having one of these outros. Um, with that being said, though, uh, we are going to be back next week on Sustainable U at 9 a.m. on Saturday, only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Catch you next time. You just heard the best tips on how to be sustainable. So go ahead and spread the gospel of green. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Sustainable You. Saturdays at 9 a.m. on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. If you want to listen to any replay editions, go to 1077thebronc.com and click on the Sustainable You tab on the homepage. You can even subscribe to our podcast. Just simply search Sustainable You on iTunes. Sustainable You is underwritten in part by Terhune Orchards, 330 Cold Soil Road, Lawrence.
Farms. 200 acres of locally grown Jersey fresh fruits and vegetables with country style service. Rider University, Office of Sustainable Management and Bronx Go Green. Team Toyota of Princeton, Route 1 South Lawrence. Are you part of the team? Lawn Crafters, give your lawn a little TLC. And the Trenton Farmer's Market, 960 Spruce Street, Lawrence. The area's original and most trusted farmer's market, open all year round. Join us again for next week's edition of Sustainable You on Saturday at 9 a.m. And be one step closer to saving the earth without a carbon footprint left behind. Only on 107.7 The Bronx.